Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rambosity, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's good, what's good, what's good, everybody? We are live coming in from Tyler Armstrong's office. I'm here with the Thomas Wint. I'm just kidding, Thomas isn't here today. I'm here with the one and only Luke Parker. What's up, Luke? What's up, Tyler? How are you? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Man, how's it feel to be like in the like driver's seat for the ReChurch it's podcast? It's crazy. I've only ever been on ReChurch one time, and it was with Thomas and Olivia, so this is sort of my first out-on-my-own type experience. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pushing them out of the nest, ladies and gentlemen, and this is not going to be like an episode where like the last time we're like, you know, you talked about yourself and all this. Like, right. He's engaging with a topic today, mm-hmm. and so we're going to see how this goes, and so... Um, we're going to start off with our questions. So this is a question I came up with for this week. What is your hottest take? In other words, what is one thing that you believe that is 100% true that is very controversial? So Luke, I'll let you go first. All right. So I'm going to say it, but I want you to just hear me out. Okay. okay go ahead. So pineapple, mm-hmm. it's okay if it ends up on pizza. It's okay. It's not that bad. So for me, I'm going to be real with you. Why in the world is fruit on a pizza? I don't know, but it's not bad. It's fantastic. I'm gonna, okay, so I'm gonna be. I'm gonna also be. I've never had it. All right, so I've never tried it. Okay, so, so you can't so, criticize so, so, it. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying I don't understand putting fruit on a pizza. Hawaiian pizza is the best. So I'm gonna have to try it. So this week we will order a Hawaiian pizza from what? Domino's. Domino's. Okay, Domino's. Okay, we will order one this week for lunch. And I'll give it a shot. And I'll let everybody know how it goes. Sounds good. In my brain, though, I'm going to go ahead and say I disagree because I don't understand how fruit goes on a pizza. But we'll give it a shot. It All makes right? no sense. But uh, leave but it to, leave it to the good. Hawaiians. Yeah, man. And, 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 you know, I'm going to be real with you. Is Hawaiian pizza one of those things like Americans came up with? That I'm we just pretty credit sure to it Hawaiians? is. Probably. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like pizza, for example. Pizza was created by Italians in New York. You know, and America just made it their own. Yeah, well, and then like French fries. Now we completely hijacked that from the French, yeah. but like we we're like, oh, we're just gonna call them fries from here on out. Take the French out, but I mean, that, that's what Americans do. I mean, we just take things, we make them our own, and because we're Americans, <laughs> not Americans. All right, so I'm gonna give you mine. Um, this is one that's lived along in my heart. I don't have to like fight anybody on it because it's right. Hot dogs or sandwiches. I so, don't disagree on this. All right, one. so that's my hot take. Um, if you want to debate me on this. Um, I will point you to Facebook. 2016, there was a uh, debate thread with me and my wife. You can probably just search Tyler Armstrong hot dog sandwich on Facebook. It went viral for a minute. Yeah, it, went, it? It, it had like 250 comments, if I'm not mistaken, maybe in the hundreds. Um, I know it had a lot of comments. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to re-engage me in that debate, please don't start a new thread. Um, just start, just go there. All right, just go there, and I look forward to destroying you um, because <laughs> this is a hot take in my mind that I'm 100% right on. All right, so who have you been worshiping with, Luke? So this past week, I actually discovered a new group that I'd never ever heard of. Is this because one of our like one of your Spotify dives? Yes. So yes, I'm man. currently addicted to making just random playlists on Spotify. Yes. that's my thing right now. You can follow them. You can follow them too. Find Luke Parker on uh, Spotify. And yes. You can follow his profile. You can search my username. It's nine one two three Luke one on Spotify. That's me. You can follow. Keep up with all the crazy playlists. Yes. But. In making a playlist last week, I discovered a group called Wind and Color. Okay. It's this Christian group that no one's really ever heard of, but they've got this one song called Surrender, 
and it is fantastic. It takes very familiar lyrics to a song we've all probably heard of at one point, I Surrender All. Yeah. Oh, and that's like how it starts off. And it starts off with, if I surrender all, could you take it all now? And from there on, it just gets better and better and better. I love it. It's fantastic. Listen, if you haven't heard that song, have you really been in a Baptist church and been in an invitation where that song gets drawn out 18 100%. verses? 100%. Woo! It's so easy to just repeat for That one and minutes. Just As I Am. Yes. Man. Somebody goes into the altar, you're singing 18 stanzas, baby. <laughs> yeah. Hold down. Just hold, get comfortable. Hold on tight, all right? Uh, for me, I'm going to uh, pull out one that's a little bit of an older older one for me. Um, How Deep the Father's Love for Us by Austin Stone Worship. Um, I've been listening to this for the past few weeks, um, just for, just to remind my heart, um, preaching the gospel, the Father's love. You know, um, so many times we get in these seasons of life where we think that we understand the Father, we know His love for us, but in all reality, um, it's so much deeper than that. And so that's a great song, just the gospel for us. Love it. So for this, um, I'm I'm gonna throw this one out there. Uh, what is one tip that you'd give the listener right now about personal study of the Bible? Um, I, I I chose this question just because I think so many times. We approach the Bible um, looking at it as like this like massive undertaking in our personal quiet time and all these things. But I think that even simple tips, like one simple tip can be that like, can go such a long way. So, Luke, what's one tip for personal study of the Bible? So something that I have always struggled with and probably will struggle with for the rest of my life is daily quiet time. Yeah. Reading your Bible, spending time in prayer. That's just something that I've never really understood how to do. Mm-hmm. But something that has helped me is creating that daily habit of yeah. at least trying to make the effort to open up your Bible and spend time in God's Word. And you hear people say it takes at least like 18 or something like that days to create a habit. So I would just recommend spending two, three weeks of just sitting down and making that effort of reading your Bible in the morning, at night, whenever you find that free time. And after you reach that three-week mark, I haven't experienced this because I still haven't made it that far (laughs) without ruining the streak. Yeah. But if you can make it to that three-week mark, people say it's supposed to get easier from that point on to stay in that habit. For sure. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah, that's a really good one. I remember when I was in um, my sophomore year of college, I memorized the entire book of James. Like seriously memorized mm-hmm. it. And um, one of the things that they tell you was whenever you memorize a book of the Bible, you have to like repeat it like every other day. Right. And I didn't. And so now if you ask me, hey, what's this? I can pretty much tell you every verse in James, but I can't remember. I can't just rattle it off. Right. Like, like I used to sit down and do it. And it's because I broke the habit. And what's crazy is it's just the way our brains work. I mean, and our fallen sin, like condensed brains. It takes 18 to 21 days to form a habit. Right. That's what the studies show. All right. I go with 18. That just makes more sense. Um, and I like 18 better than 21. <laughs> But it only takes three days to break a habit. It's crazy. Only three days. Like how fast days. you can forget. Mm-hmm. Just just, things you've spent three weeks on. Yeah, and I mean, and so I think the biggest thing is, is like what you pointed out, just discipline. Right. I think that the problem with me is, is I don't live a very disciplined lifestyle. I kind of just kind of just like fly by the seat of my pants in a lot of what I do. And so I think that one thing that helped me in my, especially scripture reading, going off yours, um, is really focusing in on making sure that I am spending the same time each day. Right. So like me, it's in the mornings. 
All right, it's right after I drop my son off from school, whether it be in my office or at the house, I'm spending time in God's Word and making sure that at the same time, now different times upset those different rhythms, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you sleep later. Sometimes my son sleeps later. Sometimes summer hits, you know, just Life different happens. Things. Life happens, but making sure that you're trying to stick as close to the same time as possible. Right. I dream of the day that I'll be like Jocko Willink, where like he, that dude posts the same, like, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. Do you follow him? He's just this like, he's a former uh, SEAL, I mean, Navy SEAL, and so like, Every morning he wakes up at like between 3.58 and 4.01 and he posts a picture of his like watch every morning because that's what time he's in the gym. That's crazy. And I'm like, I dream of that day. That's insane mental discipline. Uh, I, I want to be that. And and I, honestly, I think we could be that. I mean, just be real to be though. I'm lazy. Yeah. And the dude's a freaking seal. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's a bit of a gap right yeah, there. Yeah, there's a bit of a gap there. He's been through, uh, he's been through uh, buds. And so anyway, for me, I'm going to tell you all this. All right. Read in smaller chunks. So many times what happens is, is that we come in and we take the Bible and we um, look at it and we try to read these huge passages, like read a chapter a day. And that's one thing I don't like about like the like read the Bible in 90 day plans. I don't think that you could read the Bible in 90 days and really attain, retain a lot right. unless you're like a superhuman or you have a great memory. I think I would I would tell you biggest tip for me, read the Bible in smaller chunks. Um, I heard uh, one of my professors say, how do you eat? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. When you come to the Bible, how do you read it? One bite at a time. Like take smaller chunks. So don't like read if you're going to say, let's say I'm going to read through the Sermon on the Mount in the next two weeks. Don't read all of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in three days and then be done with it. You won't retain it as much. But what you need to do is make sure that you're reading the scriptures in such a way that is smaller bites, way easier to attain, and that way you can strive harder to meet that goal. And it also helps you to retain it deeper inside your brain. And what's crazy is the way our Bibles are formatted and set up today, they're already done like that for you. So it's very easy to just sit down and read short bits of a passage at a time. Yeah, and that's like one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that the, the like chapters and numbers weren't originally there. You know, they were letters. Yeah, they were like, written that's as all letters. They were written as like addresses to people. You know, and so I think that like we should take advantage of the scripture verses and the, and the reference numbers and all those things and not let them become like the be all to end all, because I think that they can also be a hindrance right? because like, that's how like verses get taken out of context. Yes. But at the same time, I think that when you understand that, that they're there to help you. Yes, absolutely. You can break the Bible down into smaller passages and even your Bible breaks it down into the pericopes. When I say pericope, that's literally just a paragraph of scripture. It has headings of where those breakdowns are. Break it down in there and read those little chunks there. It just makes the Bible reading so much easier, in my opinion. And what's the best way to eat an elephant? One more time. One bite at a time. What's the best way to read the scriptures? One passage, smaller chunks at a time. So last question, what's a book you'd like to recommend to everybody? So this summer, I spent a little bit of my time interning with our Baptist Association here in town. The Etowah Baptist Association. Yes, and our very own Stephen Frazier Mm -hmm. led all of the summer interns and missionaries at the EBA through this book called Dangerous Calling. Frazier's a beast. Yes. He's a gospel monster. book was insane, written by a guy named Paul David Tripp, and Stephen has a passion for leading anyone that he— pours time into and disciples personally to lead them through this book. Yeah. He explained it that he believes that any leader in the church should read this book because that's why it was written. Yeah. Paul David Tripp is writing from the other side of leadership, having done it for several years, and he's looking back on his personal experiences, his ministries that he has led in the past, and he's saying, here's some red flags that you need to be careful of and watchful yeah. for. 
because if they start popping up in whatever you do inside the church, ministry, leadership, wherever you serve, if you start seeing these red flags pop up, that's a sign of unhealthiness in your own personal life that could very easily bleed into the church For sure. as a whole. That's uh, We love um, Paul David Tripp on the Rechurch podcast. I think we recommended him a couple of times. And this book, though, I will say it focuses in on like, pastoral ministry. Right. I will say that I think it's beneficial, for, like you said, for the entire church. Because in light of this one, you need to be aware of the unhealthiness that can creep in as a leader. If you're a leader in the church, and I, I just literally sat through it today, an entire like six hours of a course, like an entire work, so semester's worth of course in six hours a day, where we talked about leadership. Every Christian is called to lead. Right. All right? Every Christian is called to lead in some form or fashion. Now, some are gifted to lead in the pastor. Some are gifted to lead in different ways. But everyone has a universal call to lead. Everyone does. And so I think everyone needs to read that. And then, two, I think that everyone needs to read that so they can be aware of ways to pray for your pastor and ways to hold the pastor accountable. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That's what's at the heartbeat of that book Mm -hmm. is accountability Mm -hmm. and seeing where your brothers and sisters in the faith struggle and where some areas might be where they're starting to slip. Yes. And we got to hold each other accountable, like you said in that. 100%. For me, I'm going to recommend a book uh, called Design to Lead by Eric Geiger and Kevin Peck. As soon as I finish my semester this, um, in just a few weeks, uh, this next term, I'm planning on taking Olivia and Luke through this book. Now, that's the first time Luke's hearing this, hearing this so he's like sitting there looking at me. Uh, okay. So what's and, this book about? Uh, so this book is a great book because what it's talking about is how the church is designed for leadership development. Um, the problem is, is that what we've done is we've essentially farmed off all of our leadership development to the secular world. And so what we've done is we've said, okay, well, if, you know, if you want to learn leadership, read this secular guy, read this secular guy, read this secular guy. And there's some great leadership principles that we can learn from the secular guys. But God designed the church to be the primary leadership locus, all right, which is a primary point. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, this Eric, Eric Geiger and Kevin Peck's um, kind of thesis, the leadership locus of the world. We should be developing the best leaders as the church because Jesus was the best leader. Right. And so it's essentially designed to lead, and he gives up this like framework of how to develop leaders and all this. I just finished reading it for the second time. I read it for one time for fun, second time for class. And, man, it's been so good. And so I'm looking forward to taking you guys through it. So hopefully it'll, Can't benefit, wait. Yeah, hopefully it'll benefit you and your ministry. So today, the topic on hand is simply this, watching movies and TV shows with a Christian worldview. Now, me and Luke are consumers of media, all right? We are, um, in a lot of ways, probably a little bit of a sense, slightly unhealthy in the way we consume media. we got to be honest with ourselves, yeah. Luke. Um, but one thing that me and Luke always do, and it kind of cracks Olivia up when we talk about it, is we always, we're very introspective people, all right? We dive. Insanely. Yeah, we always dive deeper than we probably should in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I think that what it does, though, is helps, number one, hold us accountable to one another. And then, two, helps us to see the gospel and all that we do. Now, that doesn't mean, and I'm going to go ahead and warn against this, that you like dive super deep into every gospel theme. And I'm going to give you an example. So every time that a Star Wars movie drops, I take the student ministry to go see it. We have mm-hmm. a, I mean, now I don't know about this, like, this new bunch because, I mean, we haven't really got to know them because of COVID right. and all these different things. But historically speaking, we've always had a very Star Wars heavy fan group, all right? One of our students had never seen any of the Star Wars movies. And so he went home and Disney Plus had just dropped and he started with episode one to get to episode nine. He calls me after watching episode one and he goes, oh, so Anakin Skywalker is like Jesus. He didn't have a dad and he was born with the force. And I said, bro, it's not that deep. 
No. It's not that deep. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and warn against that, all right? I don't think that you should do that, but you can watch movies with a Christian worldview. So we're going to talk about three points today that will help guide you and kind of how, like me and Luke, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm going to be the one who's kind of learned the hard way in this. Luke has not, from what I've seen, the media that he's engaged with and all this, but um, hopefully speak into some of these things that we've learned by watching movies and how you can watch movies movies and TV shows with a Christian worldview. So first off, the first point I want to talk about is this. Keep the gospel in the forefront of your mind. So when I say that, Luke, especially in terms of media, TV shows, um, movies, what does that mean for you? So what I would say is keeping the gospel in the forefront of your mind is overall the story, the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is we are a people in need of saving, and the Savior has come to save us. Mm -hmm. That Savior's name is Jesus. Obviously, we know that. But in all the things that you do, you see, you listen to, listen for those gospel-centered themes that reflect a similar story. Yeah. I feel like that's what we're going to be diving into here in a little bit. Yeah, we're going to be diving into that. Parallels to the gospel. A lot deeper. When I hear keep the gospel in the forefront of your mind, I think that the biggest thing that we can do as believers is preach the gospel to ourselves. Right. You know, constantly remind ourselves of the sacrifice of Christ and the sinfulness of ourselves. So know your predispositions before you walk into a movie. I mean, that's one thing I would highly recommend. Um, I think that so many times um, we just kind of we, we fall into binge culture mm-hmm. and we just find something on Netflix or something like that. And we find the hot new show or the new TV show to watch and we just go for it. The problem is, is that sometimes you can walk into a deep, deep trap. All right. So I'll give you an example of this. Um, I'm a huge Stranger Things fan. Mm-hmm. Right? I love Stranger Things. Do I think everybody should watch Stranger Things? No, I think you need to be wise. All right. Jesus tells us to be wise as a serpent, as peaceful, as peaceful as doves, you know. I don't think everybody needs to watch Stranger Things. Some people may be triggered by it. Some people may be like not into like suspense, horror, you know, really thrillers, not really horror. Anyway, well, there was this movie that came out. I mean, a TV show that came out on Netflix called Dark. All right. Like, and I was like, oh, okay, what is this? So I looked up a review on it from a secular website. And it says it's like the German version of Stranger Things. And it's like all in German. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Man, within the first five minutes, there was nudity. There was like a suicide scene. There was all these like very vulgar things. I had to like cut it off. Like, I mean, I was like, no, I can't watch this. I have not engaged that again. The problem was is I fell into binge culture, right? right? You know, just being confessional. I fell into binge culture. I was looking for the next fix. I didn't have the gospel in the forefront of my mind in that moment. So what I do now is, is before I engage with a show, there's a couple things I do. Number one, I look and see if this guy named Brett McCracken has written a review on it. Do you know who Brett McCracken is? I do not. Okay, so Brett McCracken is the um, kind of the... I would say the leading Christian movie critic. He writes for the Gospel Coalition, which we've recommended so many times on this on this podcast. Um, he re- recently released an article back in February called "Tracing the Truths in in This Year's Oscars," and he literally took every movie review of all the o- big Oscar nominees and shown like how tracing the truth in it. So he's engaging with these films before I even do, and so sometimes he engages with different TV shows and these things. So I try to see if he's written something on it. If he hasn't, then I go to like websites like Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. If they haven't written anything on it, then I go to IMDb, all right, the International Movie Database, and I see if they look at their parent reviews. Their parent reviews are really good because they say, I was like, hey, there's nudity in this episode. Hey, there's like really bad language in this episode, and there's all these things. And then I go, okay, maybe that's not a good idea for me to watch. You know, that way the gospel's on the forefront of my mind, and I'm going, okay, am I engaging with this in this way? Which leads to the second point. Do not sacrifice your morals for an hour or two of entertainment. All right? So when I say that, Luke, what does that, like, speak to you? Like, 
Well, just in general, that's how we should live our lives. We shouldn't be willing to compromise on our beliefs as Christians in anything that we do, whether that be movies or something else. But specifically talking about movies, we don't need to, as Christians, our friends know that we are going to church on Sunday proclaiming Jesus, and then the night before we were at the movies watching this movie. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Just fill in the blank with whatever you can think of. We shouldn't be living that double standard because that doesn't put a good example to the rest of the world. For sure. We're called to live differently than the world, which means we shouldn't be going and doing these things that very loudly speak against what we believe. Yes. Just in terms of lifestyle or whatever. 100%, man. And and that's... I'll tell y'all really a moment that really shaped me as a as a young as a young believer, and I say young believer because at this time I, it was right before I really got into ministry, um, because I didn't really commit to the I was called to ministry at fifteen, didn't really commit to I was seventeen. So right there in those years in between there, I was at the mall. Now this is back when the mall was actually a thing to do. All right, um, and can we just talk? Go ahead and just go ahead, can I just go ahead and say, it, man, the mall is sad now. It's it's. I mean, pitiful. I mean, even pre COVID nineteen. Everyone was already leaving. Gosh, then COVID hit, and it's just it, a wasteland. It's so sad, man. Like, I, I remember I remember walking in there, like, on that Fridays and Saturdays mm-hmm. as a kid, as, like, as a teenager, and people everywhere. And now you walk in, and it's just empty. A like, ghost town. Oh, my gosh, man. It, I, I, I just, it breaks my heart, y'all. Like, I love the Gaston Mall, <laughs> all right? Like, rest in peace. Did you see they got rid of the carousel? Did you see that? I did. They sold it to like the city of Oxford or something. Yeah, for their like museum, that. man. And I was so looking forward to my son riding. But it's okay because we're getting a bowling alley and an arcade <laughs> in another trailer Gazis. So maybe that'll save them all. <laughs> Who maybe. knows? We'll see. All right. But anyway, so back to this point. I was I was walking into the movies and I ran into a few friends of mine, mm-hmm. and they were with their youth pastor, and they were at the movies. And I was like, "Hey guys, what y'all doing? Like, what movie do you want to see?" And they went and saw the movie The Hangover. All right, like a youth pastor took his students to go see the hangover. Now, I will tell you this. This youth pastor is no longer in ministry. All right, he is no longer in ministry. And I think a lot of that is is because he sacrificed his morality for this. And I th- I'm not saying that that's the reason why, like that's the primary reason why, but I think that reveals a hard issue right. for everyone. Does that make sense? Absolutely. If you'll sacrifice, you know, an hour or two of entertainment for, you know, your morals – and just kind of put the gospel at the back of your mind and not at the forefront, right. then what will happen is is that you'll notice that you start getting so much more lax about what you see and what you watch and those things. Right. Um, like, I think a good example of this is, like, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I mean, ah, I know there may be somebody listening to this that's watched Game of Thrones, and I'm not trying to, like, call you out on this lie and not trying to say that you're, like, the biggest sinner on the planet. You're not. There's, I promise you I will, I'm the biggest sinner that I know. But I will say this. There was so much pornography in that show. Like, I didn't even watch an episode of it, all right? Like, I promise you, like, I I had no desire to. I don't know how you can watch that and not... And not feel some level of conviction. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, is that in the West, we've been so, like, desensitized mm-hmm. to it because in our culture, it's in our things. I mean, and especially, and it starts young. I mean, because, I mean, like, now Luke, I mean, Luke's younger than me. Um, he was on TikTok way before I was. But seriously, if you're a parent and your kid's on TikTok, go just sit down with them and just watch them on TikTok. So they're, they're just pop up. It's ridiculous. It's, 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 and it's just, it's just pure vulgar, yeah. right? And you can't control what's on your For You page. Nope. I mean, that's where most people saying out. And so it starts there, and then it leaks into our media, into our, into our music and all these things. 
I think engaging with it in sunlight is good so that you're going to know what's going on in the culture. But I think that when you immerse yourself in it, it becomes so desensitized to it. I think what happens is you lose light of you, – you sacrifice your morals, right? Um, and I'll tell you this. I'm guilty of this, all right? Like there, a few, there was a few years ago there was a show on Netflix that I dove deep into, watched all four seasons of it. And then I realized at the end, I was like, man, there was some like filth in that show. And I just ignored it for the sake of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And that should never be what we do. Right. All right. Everything we should do should be able to draw us closer to Jesus. And instead, I was binging that instead of like diving deeper into God's word. And I catch myself doing that with social media. I catch myself doing that with anything. I'm just, I'm a binge guy. All right. Like my personality is the most addictive personality. Mm-hmm. If you look at my Enneagram score, it proves it. Um, but what I've got to do is figure out ways to not sacrifice my morality by keeping the gospel in the forefront of my mind. So number three, though, this last point, I'm going to let Luke, you know, Luke kind of spoke to this. Keep, look for Christian themes in the films you watch. So go ahead and like, you, you spoke on this a little bit earlier. I don't want you to jump too far right. ahead. So touched on it. Yeah. So like, what do we go from here? So like when we do engage with film, when we do engage with TV shows, what's something that we can do, like looking for Christian themes? So first off, before I say this, me and Tyler have talked about this idea for a while now. We've been preparing for this episode for a good minute. Yep. And if you enjoy this, we're considering making our own podcast. So just let us know yeah. how you think about yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, let us know. We, we, we've talked about possibly doing a podcast where we dive into different films, different things where we look at these Christian themes. So, But, but anyway. Continuing on to that point, a lot of what we don't realize as Christians is how much Christianity symbolism is in our culture. Yeah, well, it's it, pretty much shaped everything about Western culture, with specifically within movies, within cinema. There's a book um, called Dominion. I recommended it. I recommended I think like two or three months back. It literally talks about this. Right. How Christianity has literally left its fingerprint all over the West. It's everywhere. Reality, the way we view things. I mean, even the left. All right, has borrowed ideas from Christianity. Right. And so, like, even like you know, the most liberal thinking is borrowing ideas from Christian from Christian thinking. So, even though Hollywood is very much a left leaning idea, they steal from the greatest story of all time, which is the gospel. Exactly. And so, go ahead. So, looking for the Christian themes within movies, mm-hmm. whenever you go and watch a movie, which we're not saying don't go to the movies just because it wasn't made by believers or because the actor, the lead actor, isn't a believer. Yeah. We're not saying that by any means. But when you do go to these movies, keeping the gospel on the forefront of your mind, looking for those parallels, those moments in the movie that reflect key parts of the gospel story. Like we mentioned earlier, the fact that there's a savior, there's a hero figure in movies, specifically in the era of movies that we're seeing now, the superhero phase. Yeah, which has been going on. I mean, really, I would say kind of... Batman movies have always been popular. I would say kind of the first really modern movie that launched it is the Spider-Man movies with right. Tobey Maguire. Early 2000s was yeah. the turn of the comic book hero movie Yeah, era. and so now those are like some of the most popular movies, highest grossing it's films everywhere. of all time. And so, yeah. So. And in each of these movies, you see this hero figure, mm-hmm. which we can, as believers, tie back to a Christ-like figure. Mm-hmm. But in each of these movies, the hero has a flaw in mm-hmm. them. And it's meant to reflect back to us as believers looking for these gospel themes sort of what we've done like sermon series on here at church is how every hero per se is ultimately flawed except for one yeah and the only perfect hero is jesus christ yes the hero who stepped out of 
perfection, stepped out of heaven, and chose to come live a human but sinless life to save us For sure. who were in need, in desperate need of saving yes. from the greatest evil of all time, which is sin. Yeah, and, 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 and what you'll notice is a lot of films have that theme that run right. in them, and it isn't just the superhero movies. A lot of them have, like, different themes of, like, you know, what are these things? And there's this really good article I found online, and it's just essentially questions you can ask when you walk into a movie for how, watching a movie with the right worldview. Um, the first question is, what is ultimately real? Just the material world, only what we see? Is there an unseen world as well? And one that transcends is ultimately more important than the physical world. What does the movie say about God? So who is God? Um, some movies tackle this, you know, but is it some, is God something created? Is God even existed in this movie? Um, one of my favorite movies is the movie Interstellar by um, Christopher Nolan. This movie has a really interesting theme that humanity is its own savior. Now, we as Christians know that that's not true, all right? We know that humanity can't be its own savior. And so I would, while I would disagree with that theme, the main theme of the movie, and not trying to spoil it, but the main theme of the movie is, is that love transcends, all right? Christians can agree with that theme and walk away with something from that theme. Does that make right. sense? And so um, how do we know what is true? What, how does this movie tackle truth? How do we know what is good? Um, which And that's something I love about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not going like, to dive too deep into this rabbit trail because you know mm -hmm. I will. But how they make the villains so relatable at some points. Like Killmonger. Yes. You can Black relate Panther. to him. You, you understand where he's coming mm -hmm. from. Thanos and Infinity War and Endgame. Thanos deserved to win in Infinity War, <sighs> But at man. the same time, man, like, you know, it, it's like one of those things, like, okay, Thanos, I get your point, but, man, like, you, like, went way off the deep end. He was doing what he thought was right, and to some degree, it was. It was. He just took it way too far. <laughs> yeah, he took genocide, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but anyway, who are we in this movie, all right? Like, so, like, like, do, are we just, like, you know, these highly evolved primates that have the ability to reason, or are we one with the divine? I mean, like... The movie Avatar, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that that movie tackles some great, some interesting things about humanity, and especially creation. This idea that you know we're one with the world, one with mm -hmm. the earth, and all that stuff. We, as believers, we can't engage. Like, we we don't relate to that. Though there may be some kind of theme running through that, and there are Western, like, once again, Christian themes that run through that movie, even though it's very pagan. Um, what does this movie say about what is wrong with the world? All right, the brokenness of the world, which is something that me and you've talked about, especially with comic book films, mm -hmm. and even with like Star Wars, right. you know. There's this brokenness that runs through it all that we can relate to mm -hmm. because we all live in this broken world. We all live in these broken things, and we do need a hero to save us. How can this brokenness be fixed? What is wrong with the world? How can it be fixed? How do we find meaning in life? This is another question we can ask. And then the last one is where are we going? You know, what happens to us when we die? Do we cease to exist? Will God welcome us to be with him forever? Will he welcome everyone? Will we face judgment? By whom? Da 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 da. You know, all these. Mm -hmm. And so. Asking ourselves these questions. Now, I, I may have read those too fast. If you need if you need more answers, just email me. I'll um, email you this list of questions. I think that asking ourselves these questions before we engage with a movie or anything like that, or even asking ourselves before we go into the movie and coming out and going, okay, well, how did this, how did the director or the producer or the actors engage with these can help us to dive deeper and ultimately see Jesus in all that we do and ultimately help us to engage cinema, TV shows, and movies with a Christian worldview. So, Luke, you got anything else you want to add? Not that I can think of, no. Oh, sweet. Just keep the gospel at the forefront of your mind. Keep Look for those themes and everything. Yes, and the biggest thing, y'all, is I'll tell you this. Just be sure to engage everything you do with the gospel. If you don't, you're going to be kind of behind the curve. I'm telling you this, if you go with the gospel, I promise you
and spreading the good news. It will help you to preach and share the gospel better because your, uh, your lost friends are going to be engaging in this media. This will give you an opportunity to engage with them with Jesus in the workplace. Thanks for tuning in this week on this week's Enrichurch episode. We will see you next week.